Anything fantastic, strange, and science fictional. I'm your host, Matt, with my co-hosts. I'm Bert. I'm Meredith. And joining us this week, a special guest. Anthony, you want to introduce yourself? Uh, hi, I'm Anthony, and I'm so glad to be here. Thank y'all. I'm excited to have Anthony because I per- he's a um, he's a country boy that I personally radicalized, <laughs> um, and now he w- and now he won't stop being a bro at um. He won't stop being a bro at um, at liberals online, and every time I see him posting, I'm like, "There goes my boy." Um, and also, uh, the movie that we're going to be talking about today is the one that he introduced me to. Yeah. So, growing up down here in the South, um, we definitely had to latch on to certain things because, like, resources weren't available a lot of the time, and so we would wear VHS movies out. And Kroll was one of those. Excellent context for where we're going to go today. <laughs> um, <laughs> you sound so upset already. No, no, I'm not upset. Okay. Um, I was going to say, uh, Anthony is one of the people that listens to the show. And if you listen to the show, we might invite you on as a guest too. Neat. So uh, this week we have a listener question. Uh, this and... one comes from Tony in Arizona. Uh, Tony asks the cast, and I want to invite you to participate in this well, Anthony. Aight, aight. Uh, what? Aight. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you're really going to have to deal with this accent. I promise you I'm intelligent. Oh. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> no, just no. crawl out of the, I didn't crawl out of the hills or anything, I swear. Uh, we respect regionalisms here. Wait, can I code switch you too? So oh, like no. Absolutely, man. Oh, I can no. Set, I can just set it loose too. Are we really talking like this the whole episode? Yeah. Well, I'll set something straight. Like, here's the thing. Like, Meredith, you know, lived down here in the South, and it should be known that, like, she does not have an accent compared to us. Oh, is it because I'm a rootless cosmopolitan with three (laughs) parentheses around it? You you lived in the ivory towers of East Ridge, okay? I had two meth labs blow up at different times (laughs) on my street when I was growing up. No, I trust me, it's in a blast radius. Yeah, it probably explains a lot. Probably <laughs> fucked up my pineal gland, and that's why I'm a girl now. Crater number forty-four. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, to be fair, you probably have to have like a. Ca- I've seen Breaking Bad. You gotta be a real smart cookie to make meth. So yeah, it's probably probably a bunch of Pete voters. In the they probably yeah. know what they're doing. It's fine. Probably, probably a bunch of Buttigieg and Warren voters there. <laughs> yeah professional methamphetamine class <laughs> um uh tony in arizona wanted to ask the cast what's your favorite piece of like young adults fantasy and sci-fi oh animorphs um animorphs oh yeah or was i guess animorphs is more middle grade i i'm still sticking with animorphs they're teenagers it's why yeah no it, it's yeah. fun when i was in like third grade or something yeah, yeah. It, animorphs absolutely. Um, love love the way they turn into animals. Um, I love the way that at the end of the series, K. A. Applegate said 
Um, if you're bummed that this had a complicated ending where a bunch of your favorite characters died or didn't learn anything or got PTSD and were unable to live <laughs> meaningfully for the rest of their lives because they were haunted by what they did, good. And remember this feeling the next time someone asks you to sign up for a war. And K.A. Applegate's like daughter is trans. Um, she's a cool bean and Animorphs rules um, and it's kind of fun in 90s sheet also you can get uh all of the animorph books for free from her website she made it just available so Maybe. you ain't even got to go pay 75 cents at the you know <laughs> at, the Mc- at the at the mckay's at the mckay's <laughs> that's a little tennessee uh, humor i uh i would say the neverending story it's fantasy right that's oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah absolutely yeah. is it is it a is it a series yeah oh, wait oh. were we supposed to talk about like movies no, no, books. Well, no, The NeverEnding Story is a um, book. I read it. Yeah, it yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's why I brought it up. I got it right right there. Oh, the, se- the second half gets so surreal. And uh, the second half is actually, I mean, we'll talk about <laughs> movies sooner or later on the pod because it's one of my favorites, but the second half I is actually... we should talk about it today because it's so... Hush. So <laughs> the second movie is actually based on the second half, and that's why nobody watched the second movie. I mean, I watched it. it. I did. A lot, but I mean, I did think it was really busted that he wasted his wish on like a spray can. <laughs> um, what's the point? He's a little kid. Yeah, what yeah. I mean, like, figure he'd wish for something better. I don't know, hand grenades or but something. But if he doesn't, Jeez. if he doesn't waste his wishes, you don't get to the scene where he's in like the graveyard of wishes, <laughs> just like empty in his heart and his soul, desperately like trying to dig through the soil to cling to something, and he finds like the 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 razor thin completely fragile memory of his mother of his mother mm. who's dead and Uh-oh. i'm feeling a lot of feelings about the second See, half this is why i like story. it it's it's a very it's very much like existential dream and hope sherman stuff so oh. if you're into that it's very good for me i would say for some reason my grandmother gave me this it was came in like some kind of like shitty gift box it was Fuck off, uh, Worf Starfleet Academy series. Like there was like a whole oh wow yeah, YA Starfleet Academy series of like all the TNG cast adventures when they were in the Starfleet Academy, and it's not great. I just kind of like it. It's really on um, brand for you. Yeah, I, I am a tremendous fucking nerd. What was Worf <laughs> like? What was Worf like as a teenager? Mostly the same as before. I think more timid. Like he's like really trying to like delve and like learn more about his uh klingon heritage he doesn't like have like the confidence of the tv show Worf. even does he get so his ass of, like, kicked all the time yeah he so he's got oh, that in common with current Worf. <laughs> yeah every time you look at Worf on there he's just like getting hit by a blast door or well, something yeah, it was like Worf, Worf, wolverine and vegeta it's the Worf, Wolver- the Worf, wolverine vegeta conundrum is that you create these characters who are depicted as like these ferocious killing machines but you so consistently use them to build heat for the villain. Where it's yeah. like, oh, this villain's so tough that they can beat Worf or Vegeta or Wolverine that, like, it they just become jokes. It's like the villain shows up and swats this guy who gets his ass kicked all the time. Anthony. <laughs> I feel bad that this is true of Vegeta. It, feel, it makes me feel bad. But yes. Anthony, how about you? Uh... I mean, I'm going to have to go with just my heart on this. It may not exactly fit, but uh, I base most of my morality off of Optimus Prime, so I'm going to go with Transformers, the animated series. 
uh, the original in the 80s. Uh, look, y'all, I know it was a super long cartoon, but I mean, whatever Optimus Prime told me to, like, be nice to people, I listened. <laughs> That's literally, this is literally the vector by which I radicalized him. Um, like, <laughs> yeah she was like what would optimus prime say about the prison yeah. industrial complex and i was like <laughs> he'd fucking hate it no yeah, i was like i was like so if optimus prime was hanging around and let's say a class <laughs> of people stole all of the bread from another class of people some kind of theft of bread how would optimus prime <laughs> think about that and now he's an anarcho-communist like me <laughs> he'd probably honk his horn yeah. Stand back. One bread shall rise, one bread shall fall. <laughs> Thank you for your question, Tony. Um, <laughs> Tony from the desert, the desert plains. <laughs> Thank you for your question, Tony. Speaking let's of planes, get into let's talk crawl. about 9-11. I mean, crawl. <laughs> Let's talk about 9-11. A lot of people have told you that 9-11 was an inside job. I'm here to tell you 9-11 didn't fucking happen. Trailer. On a distant planet, a great kingdom was ravaged by beings who came from the future to conquer the universe. Now, the only survivors follow a doubtful seer and a throneless king. Anthony, you talked a little bit about how you wore out the VH taps, uh, VHS tape for this movie. Tell me more about how you how did you like first encounter Crawl? This is the first time that I've ever seen it. Oh wow! And this is kind of perfect. Like why I do this kind of podcasting stuff? So. Um... You know, down here in the South, uh, it, you know, in the time I grew up, it was all about, uh, there was no video on demand or anything. It was about going to the video store and getting a VHS tape. And so my dad was, is a huge stoner. And so he loved like Dune and Star Trek and his eyes were shining the day he brought home Kroll. Because he had been looking for a movie similar to Dune for a long time. And, oh my god, Kroll tries to be everything all at once. And it is a horrible and lovely disaster. Because the, the lens you should look at it through is as it's as if the writers and the director were playing a game of D&D and it somehow got filmed with a large budget. Yeah. Oh, that- house rules, though. There's laser guns. <laughs> <laughs> we well, see, that's uh, why that, I say... That, it- shows you, that shows you haven't been playing um, D&D for long enough because there's an adventure called White Plume Mountain, I think, um, module from way back in the day that uh, was official and i need to double check on myself here because i know how nerds are um it was an official DD supplement written by gary gygax um then mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and if it wasn't white blue mountain it was another one you can look it up the, the premise was literally like an alien spaceship has crashed um in Greyhawk, and you investigate it and it's full of like aliens and robots and you get like laser guns and stuff so it's been baked into uh, a lot of fantasy from the beginning has anybody else seen this Yes, um, so I spent a lot of time before I moved to New York, and when I moved to New York, I had to join a podcast, because if you don't join a podcast, <laughs> um, if you don't join a podcast, you'll get taken to the bottom floor of the Ministry of Love, 
and a man <laughs> will put a little Pete Buttigieg in a cage to the side of your head, and um, they'll eventually get hungry and just chew through your skull. Um, there's going to be one of these every just episode. Just goes full, full rat mode. <laughs> yeah. And so I said, no, do it to Julia, and they let me out, and I joined a podcast, and I'm here now. But I used to live in Tennessee um, and with Anthony, and one of the friendship rituals that we had was he would be like, have you seen X? And I would be like, no. He would be like, no, I'm a, I'm, no, I'm a girl. <laughs> he would be like, no, yeah. <laughs> well, and especially, like, I don't like horror movies, for example. And so he's constantly putting me in front of weird movies, and he was like, have you seen Krull? And I was like, no... But I remember seeing the weird glaive thing, mostly because yeah, I was weirded out iconic. by why they. I was weirded out by why they call the Warcraft Three frisbees glaives, and I looked it up, and it's apparently a reference to this thing called Crawl. Mm-hmm. And I assumed it was like a. I assumed it was like a cheap, like Lord of the Rings or like a Conan knockoff. Yeah, no, not and cheap. This no. <laughs> and Anthony so sat money. me down, and I watched it. It was yeah. It felt like. Having someone tell you about a dream that they had <laughs> for a very long time, except they had, like, $10 million with which to tell you about the dream. <laughs> and, and and I'm going to warn the rest of you, no matter how bad you try and dunk on this movie, the more you very describe well. very, it, the more, the more why, you describe why? it to what? someone who has never seen it, the more powerful it will become in their minds. They'll be yeah. like, "This rules." <laughs> okay. Well, so, I, I was gonna say, I, I like, I, I was much more charmed by it the second time than I was the first time. Actually, um, the first time I was like, "Okay, it's like whatever." Um, it's a little weird, and I'm watching it because my friend likes it. But then the second time I watched it today, without you know knowing what it was going in, without having the expectations that it's going to be this like Conan thing, mm-hmm. I was mu- I was much more taken with it in a way that will I'm sure will get you. Yeah, I had never seen it. Um, I do very much like Meredith's description that it was like a dream that somebody told you about, and they took ten million dollars to to make it, just like nine eleven. And um, <laughs> but uh, well, I mean, it was an experience. I'd heard of it. I knew about the the. I didn't know it was called a glaive. We we kind of talked about it when uh, me and Anthony met up, and I just knew there was a boomerang thing with knives in it that looks very unwieldy. No, you're definitely hurting yourself. That's all I knew, right? But that's all I knew about it. I knew it was you know it was not a huge success that won many Oscars. <laughs> That's all I In my head, this movie occupies like the same neural pathways and memory. That's like as legend and willow and the never ending story. And now after having seen this as an adult, also space balls because space balls oh, liberally definitely. Is inspired by this one. Like, I don't think anyone it, you need to see your space balls like everyone thinks it's a star wars thing it cribs this movie so fucking oh, hard oh like, big time mel brooks had a huge heart on for uh crawl this movie is epic mm-hmm. and sprawling like houston, and I don't <laughs> houston. <laughs> um i mean how do we even describe the story of this this is like every fantasy story you've ever er, Whatever fantasy story you're imagining in your head, 
it's that. Okay, look, so, I'm, 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 it I'm, is, I'm gonna, but not. <laughs> yeah, let let Anthony do it. He's yeah. seen it more than anyone for sure. I'm going to say something that might be a hot take. Um, this oh. is for the like sci-fi, like your your Star Wars style sci-fi tale and your fantasy tale. This is the Akira. <laughs> this is what everything cribs from. Oh. Save. Save Dune and Excalibur, which came before. Which, if y'all yeah, was based on those, it can't. Those can't rip it off. <laughs> and Star Wars, as yeah, well. Star Wars. It did. This is an um, incredibly hot take. It is very hot. I, this is piping hot. I think we may need to. Oh no! Put this, that back no, in the lava. Have you ever seen like Edgar Rice Burroughs novels from the seventies? Regrettably, like regrettably, yes. No, no, mm-hmm. I'm I'm normal. No. Oh no! My dad was a huge Edgar Rice Burroughs fan, so like, is this cool the dude? Cover, or? <laughs> the cover of those Edgar Rice Burroughs novels, someone was like, looked at those and be like, make that into a movie. <laughs> the book? No, no, no. The cover. Just make the cover into the movie. I get it. I get it. <laughs> so I'll describe the plot really quick, just to let gotcha. everyone know Gosh, what's happening. Okay, because ahead. well, everyone else has done a fucking end run around it. Basically, what you need to know is that there is an inter there is an interstellar demon called the Beast that flies around through space, subjugating worlds. And when the Beast lands its its ship, which is also kind of its body on a planet, um, it releases its servants from previously subjugated worlds called Slayers that it has presumably mutated out into the landscape and over the course of generations. So yeah, over the course of generations it brings the world to heal using, you know, magic and science and might. Um, and it follows the story of kind of some of the last holdouts of humanity on the planet of Krull. A prince whose name I forget, even though I've seen it. Colwyn. <laughs> Colwyn. Yeah. And the princess who, uh, under her Listen. own initiative, decides to unite their two kingdoms against the beast. Um, she gets kidnapped. All the all the like older kings get killed, and the princes, the prince, and an old Gandalf dude are left Yenir. to yeah are left to wander the face of Krull, trying to <laughs> uh, trying to sort of meet some ancient prophecy, activate the glaive, they collect a bunch of dumbasses along the way, including Liam, Neis- Liam Neeson, a, a very tall man who, who <laughs> will throw a javelin at anything at the drop of a hat. <laughs> a wi- a wizard, terrible haircut. A wizard who I hate. Yes. And, and, a, couple of, mm. and a couple of other ne'er-do-wells. And um, also uh, Hagrid. How did y'all feel Hagrid. about seeing the, the Harry Potter man in this movie? <laughs> Well, I, I they dubbed over his voice. I was so offended. They <laughs> dubbed over a bunch of voices. I'm a white woman me. in the YA book world, so as you know, I just love Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> love Harry so Potter. Good old Robbie Coltrane. Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, they go. They go on a pretty standard adventure that I would say is largely differentiated from other fantasy by the kind of almost like weird. Um, like common rider esque costume design on uh, on a lot of the villains um, yeah. and a lot of the heroes, and also by the way that kind of like nothing is foreshadowed and almost nothing pays off, and it's just a kind of a string of things happening in a way that's it's not as insufferable, not as yeah. insufferable as you would think based on yeah. It's it literally we have a problem. Here's a MacGuffin. Okay, we'll yeah. go do that. 
Oh, here's Over another problem. We'll go do that. Oh, never mind. It doesn't matter. We're uh, having fun here. Then the whole time we're checking in on the princess, who is does not get as much screen time as I would like, but she's inside of the Beast's Keep, and oh, she gets to walk through some really cool sets. Mm-hmm. Eventually, mm-hmm. they get eventually they get inside the keep, um, and it you it is made abundantly clear that the inside of the keep is functionally the Beast's body. That the Beast has like a form at the center of it, but the spaceship castle thing is an extension of its being. Um, a bunch of people die. There's cool fights. The princess hands the the prince fire that is symbolic of uh, becoming a sexually mature adult <laughs> with, with a good relationship with at least one woman. And he becomes a wizard. And also it turns out that the reason the glaive looks like a stupid weapon is because it is. And you don't really fight with it. You just kind of control it with your mind. And it takes a super long time to do anything. And then the movie ends. And now we can talk about it. Um... <laughs> Yeah. This movie oozes money from the very oh. first start of it. Like they spend the first like what eight minutes doing like exposition, to, like get you up to speed on the kingdom. But as they do the exposition, they just show B-roll footage of horses galloping like over and mm-hmm. over and over again. I'm a fan of it. I love a horse. You love to see and also uh, th- like they didn't skimp. Uh, James Horner is the composer of all this. You know th- that is the first part of the movie that I fell in love with immediately. I was like. Y'all got James Horner here. Just take me away. Yeah. Yeah, it was straight up like, no, we ain't messing around. Here we go. Here's James Horner. Take me so, away. What's the story of this movie? I feel like I'm I'm getting hints from the men. And well, the story I, is there's, there's a thing from outer space called the Beast, no, and no, it comes no, to no. Kroll. And- <laughs> what's, the pr- what's the story of the production of it? Because, you know, I love hearing men talk about trivia. Um, and it sounds like y'all know some. So if you could just talk to me about it at length. Um, that's my destiny as a woman is to go. Okay, little lady. (laughs) No, so literally the story of this is, so like the time period that this came out, I would say like, you know, from 76 to like, you know, 80, 84 or so, there was just this psychosexual melange of movies that came out. You know, the the traditional, like, you know, someone staring up at, like, a, a, a terrible light, and you hear the music, you know, Yeah, like Zardoz. Yeah. Uh, um, and so, at that point in time, like, movie uh, studios were much more willing to, like, just take risks in general. And so, literally, it came together as a ragtag bunch of just weirdos who were like, I really want to make my D&D campaign a thing. <laughs> and that's pretty much how it happened. Like they, that, that, that can work out for the better. That's how we got Record of Lodos War, and Record of Lodos War uh, fucks hard. And it's super good. Yeah, yeah. Deedlet, first waifu. Um, <laughs> Shut up. So... <laughs> I know, like, we think Bert hates everything. Um, I don't think that. Well, you're, that's because you're not on the it's show. It's your first episode. <laughs> I've listened to, like, four or five episodes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Which ones were those? That seems You're like our biggest you're... fan. <laughs> <laughs> I did uh, Cocoon, um, uh, a Titan AE. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. What were the others? Uh, it's a test. Da, da, da. But no, uh, y- you're critical, but that's fine. I feel that that's acceptable because you're not um, you're not doing like the the you know cinema sin stuff or anything like that. You're not like you know, ding. I could maybe see the boom mic in the corner. Uh, Deus ex machina. 
for um, no. five minutes. <laughs> yeah, he's um, not a plot. He's not a plot hole pervert. Sometimes, but th- I mean, this movie, that's like, why would you, I have no idea why you would bother with <laughs> Can you imagine, it's like, 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 like a, a sins on this movie, that would be the funniest fucking thing, like, oh, uh, actually, the razor blades on the boomerang would cut you up if you used it. <laughs> <laughs> fucking... <laughs> Could the t- could the time changing magic work on that woman when she killed his son? Uh, spiders don't actually make their webs like that. What the fuck, movie? <laughs> uh, but, this, wo- no. this woman this uh, woman killed her this woman killed her baby, even though infanticide would be illegal in a feudal society. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, I did not hate this movie. Ugh, plot wise, I mean, the plot's the worst. I, I did not hate this movie. Ugh. Yes, the, the story is the worst part because yes, it is like somebody's wacky D and D campaign, and it has no real direction mm-hmm, other mm-hmm. than there's a damsel and you have to kill the big bad, which is yeah. And we'll get there, and the entire time it's nothing but dudes rock. Okay, but so basically, this movie started, and there's narration. And there's space stuff and fantasy stuff, and I'm like, oh, God, I'm in for it. Like, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, oh, God, what did I do? Like, they go to a castle, and then there's this dude in, like, fucking Battlestar Galactica armor, and I'm like, why? Why is this <laughs> And then the thing and then is... he's is, in an armored t-shirt? <laughs> yup. Sure, he's got a visor, okay? The, the wacky special effects happened with the flame stuff, and then I started laughing. Mm-hmm. And, and then what happened is... James Horner happened, and I was like, holy shit, this is really good. Like, I'm actually watching scenes where, like, the writing is crap, mm-hmm. and, like, whatever's happening I don't care about, but I'm still somehow caring because the music and set design is no, so good. The but this ve- is what I'm talking about. This, oh, this first- about. Yeah, the very first time me and Meredith watched this, um, we're sitting there, and right as Colwyn and Lissa are, like, having their little, you know, sexy talk with one another, meeting each other for the first time. Right. And they go, in for the, they go in for the kiss, and the James Horner music, like, plays just this big swell, and Meredith stops the movie and is like, we do not deserve this scene right there. We have done nothing to deserve the emotional <laughs> weight of this music. That's exactly how the whole thing feels it's like how did this slop get amazing such amazing sets such amazing like it has pretty good shots like mm-hmm. whoever, the, oh no that's what i'm right? saying is so you remember in the terminator epi- i have matured since the first time i watched it and you remember in the terminator episode i said mm-hmm. plot is meaningless if you want plot go read a fucking go read a fucking uh... wiki go read a wiki right that like plot is meaningless and crawl is a case study in it like <laughs> ap- acting acting's great cinematography is great sound design's great soundtrack is great lighting is great and those are the things that make a movie the plot okay. is, kind of, is the plot's just like a little bit of a handy before it sets you know uh, like it's perfunctory it okay this movie the thing is this movie would be so much better with a decent plot just rewrite the script before you throw all the money in the compo- like okay so I'm, I'm gonna disagree a little bit because can you imagine ken marshall who plays the colwyn the prince mm-hmm. uh can you imagine him with a like an actual script to work with he'd be unstoppable <laughs> he would never like he would have destroyed everyone he like would, he would not have ended up can only contain his awesomeness because it's nights. so bad I mean, you could cast some... Uh, like, the casting I don't really care much for, other than... Uh, I mean, Liam Neeson's fine. He's he's playing a throwaway part. The Who's the guy that's the bandit leader? 
some guy. Uh, Alan Armstrong. He well, I just meant the name of the character. I don't fucking know. Uh, yeah, it's Orkwell. He's fucking great. Yeah, like oh yeah, I'm watching him, and 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 one of the things that happened to me in this movie, which honestly never happens in a movie because I'm a boring cishet white man, is uh, the prince meets up with him, and they have a big long discussion. And I have not seen uh, the damsel in distress for quite a long time, <laughs> and all I can think is like, they they need to get together, like. They need to get together. <laughs> and by the end of the movie, it's really like the damsel really puts the kibosh on it, and I'm like, man, but they're so perfect together, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. they just work so well. And the movie's not going to have any of that, of course. But like, so you're shipping, so you're shipping these. They oh. clearly have a thing, man. I'm telling you, they have chemistry. And yeah, he, wears a bond- he wears a bondage collar. Like, he's wearing bondage equipment all the time. Torque yeah. down. Yeah, very I'm true. I'm telling you, it's just where he's got manacles. Listen, he has manacles that the prince has keys for. Only the prince He's like, buddy, he's like, I'll take these off for you. He's like, man, you don't need to take those off. You're not till we finish the mission, then you can take them off, man. I'm like, okay. Yeah, and the whole the time thing, he's man. just being a bratty sub the entire time. <laughs> Um, I think hey, the I, prince is the bottom, though. I mean, I have a question you know, for Anthony. Power bottom. I, I have power, a, yeah. Colin is a power bottom. Yeah, yeah. I have a question for everyone who was more conscious than me in the eighties. Was everyone just afraid of quicksand all the time, nonstop? <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> no, absolutely. I have been so the Neverending Story. Ugh. I kind of hate it. My favorite movie because not so my good. favorite, but my favorite fantasy movie because that fucking scene with the horse. It's great. It's designed to tear your heart out, man. Yeah. Well, it works Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and left me with a deep, undying fear of quicksand. Because that shit will destroy you. And then I learned as an adult all you float on it. Yeah, it will take your only horse friend. There's much more things to have every It's in every movie. It's in every fucking movie that I I watch from the eighties. I watch any adventure movie from the eighties. I, if, if I had to theorize, I, I I would think that it's an effect that they achieved perfection on in the 80s, and then they said, oh, we can do this in every movie now. Like, it's easy to do, and it's cost-effective. Oh, like water effects and CGI. Yes. <laughs> like, it's like in the 90s, if you're seeing a CGI scene, it's got water or metal, like liquid metal or whatever, because that's easy to do, and you don't have to have a lot of rendering or whatever. But that's my theory. Maybe there? people were scared of being enveloped well, know, it's, in the 80s. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, do, you any, the, do you think anybody got a kink from it? Oh, yeah. Like, the honest answer is, uh, like, it was a holdover from the old action shows from, like, the 40s and 50s, yeah. the serials, because it was really easy to just put a whole bunch of magnetized sand on top of stuff, and that'd be, you know, the the quick and dirty way to, like, put your hero in peril. You know, Flash Gordon or whatever. I was gonna ask if there's quicksand in Star Wars, but they have the Sarlacc pit. Yeah. Uh, there well, is not the only... Dianoga scene. The what? Uh, the trash compactor yeah, the... scene from... Uh, uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I was gonna they say don't really trash sink compact. in that. You have two different versions of that in this movie. <laughs> you have the quicksand and the spikes. Nope. No, I actually lied when I said with Anthony was the first time I saw Krull, because I saw a couple of scenes of it as, like, an, as like a ten year old on like TNT or something. Yeah, and I it was this, always playing on TBS. I have this incredibly vivid memory of like just a lazy Sunday turning it to TBS and 
seeing because if you don't know who the cyclops is he's horrible (laughs) if you're a little kid and you don't know that the cyclops is a cool guy and you haven't gone through the development he's bad to see and i just flipped to the channel right on the moment where he's crushed in what is effectively the beast's anus it's pretty creepy and it was like horrible like i have visceral memories of this there's a lot of like Psychosexual is definitely the right word for this movie. Yeah. There is just there are a lot of like fancy huge sets that look like vaginas. Mm-hmm. Um just a oh, lot they, of them. They look like vaginas to you. That's interesting. Literally, the, I think the, like, one of the first scenes in the movie when he's climbing the mountain, there's just a big giant fucking There is <laughs> definitely a, a cleft. <laughs> and yeah, and then when she, oh man, when she's in the um when she's walking through the hallways, the mm-hmm. the the princess, they have one that closes on her. And it's oh, total, yeah. I mean, that's a vagina, man. That mm-hmm. looks like, that, That's like straight out of fucking Watchmen with the fucking alien, you know? It's like, yes, we made a vagina. That's what we did. It's just, so, like, where is, what, I don't even know where that comes from. Like, what Freudian. is the point? Well, the, if, okay, I could, I could seriously talk to you about this, because I was thinking about this. The, the beast represents, so, the prince and the princess, in this, like, dreamscape, in this psychosexual dreamscape, are meant to represent a kind of a fully human, emotional and sexual and psychological and social creation of the self through recognition of the other in the other gender. And this, like, very traditionally heterosexual way where, like, women or men are the other that you have to interact with every day and relate to, and you gain power through, like, a full union of acceptance and trust. And the beast represents visually and symbolically the beast literally represents carnality you know it sends out its little changelings alter their shape to get what they want it it embodies this like physicality that evokes sexuality but at the center of it is this like squirming um horrible yeah borderline vaginal monster it, uh, the the beast represents kind of like a sadoma- sadomasochism and uh, and emotionless carnality and like uh, lust without regard for the object of your lust. Do you think um, all that's like subconsciously in the plot? Because like I have a hard time believing it was purposefully. I think this. Into the I plot. think the set designers and costume designers were thinking <clears throat> about it. Okay, that makes sense. No, absolutely, because they definitely hired some of the best people. Uh, Oh, yeah. Another thing that they did, like, this goes back to, you know, my time in college studying film and everything. One thing this movie does is there's the tradition of, like, your older actors. You bring in older actors that typically, like, don't, uh, you know, have much work, and you bring them in, like, not only as a favor to them, but also to train, like, your next generation of actors. And this is one of those movies that absolutely did that with uh, the actor who played uh, Ynir, um and several of the other uh, people, you know, the uh, Emerald Sage. They were brought oh, yeah. in essentially to corral these coke-fueled babies (laughs) that were the new generation of actors, but it was very nice to see that uh, because it's not really done nowadays because now you just choose someone who has the most name recognition and it doesn't matter. There's no... And they've been trained for decades at this point. Yeah. 
Yeah, like uh, the Yanir guy, I looked a little bit into his uh, thing, and, uh, you know, his background, and he was like, you know, in stage plays and stuff like that. Like, he's a classically trained actor. And like, you know, he has some of the best lines in there whenever he's like, you know, I came to find a king, and instead I found a manlet. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, what, he's, God, he says some shit, like. He, he says something about peace that I'm forgetting when they're like they're like talking to the thieves. He says something about peace or about freedom, and it's it's on the tip of my tongue. Somebody, <laughs> one of you might yeah, that's just my experience of this film was just like I felt like it was like flowing through my brain like water, and just like <laughs> right out the back, just like. What was this? Did this was the scene? The bef- did it matter? No. <laughs> Moving on. Um, there's a lot of that in this movie. <laughs> Well, I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna did find it matter this, what I just? I, I, I had multiple well, yeah, multiple uh, times. So where, the, oh sorry, yeah, I I had multiple times where like I kind of stopped paying attention and started like looking at my phone or something, and then I looked back up. I was like, oh shit, did I miss anything? And the answer is no. <laughs> <I did not laughs> <miss anything. laughs> well, the scene, but that's like the experience. You just watched over you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the scene you're talking about, Meredith, is uh, whenever uh, Torquil is uh, first in there, and he has a very good line, and he says, you know, fame, it's an empty purse. Count it, you're broke. Eat it, you go hungry. Seek it, and you go mad. That is overwritten. A lot of this movie's like that, though. It's it's like, it's like what would a fantasy man in my D&D campaign <laughs> say? Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, this is, you You took pages from Lord of the Rings, your old... yes. Uh, with like the art on it, and you rolled a blunt, <laughs> and, you it, and you're like, dude, if you have an empty purse, <laughs> whoa, you count it, yeah, it's yeah. empty. Whoa, wait, what? what if instead of saying it that way, it's like, purse, it's empty, like you know, like it's like <laughs> to say things like that, like it's like it's like Yoda. What if we write it like Yoda said it, man? Whoa. No, it's it's it. Shakespeare for the sake of being Shakespearean and I think that that adds so much just... It's British folks, that's what it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I found another, I couldn't find the specific line from Enir that I was looking for, um, but I did find... Just, that he, name still gets me. He's got him! He, he said, uh, he said, death and power are close cousins. It's just full of, yeah, it's full of all this, like, <laughs> And, and oh, I like I, I like that line. I think that's a good line. The thing is, I don't know if Crawl would have the charm it has. I so even though um, Bert, even though you were straight edge, and the casters uh-huh. can't see him holding up the straight edge X, even though you were straight edge for a super long time, and Weed probably wasn't involved. I would say that probably all of us have pretty fond memories of formative experiences of being in living rooms maybe a rumpus room, maybe a basement with our friends, and, like... Playing a text-based video game that is the movie Crawl. (laughs) Smoking weed or playing... Smoking weed and, like, playing a mud or, like, just playing a video game or, like, playing D&D and just, like, just, like, saying shit, you know? Um, But I'm specifically thinking of teenage tabletop role-playing game experiences. And I think if you don't have that formative experience, maybe the movie would lose some of its charm. You know, it's definitely charming. It is a very charming movie. And I had I did have, you know, I had teenage D&D games that were a lot like this and it's fun and it's charming. Uh, It could be a lot better, just like everything I'm down on. Yep. yep. (laughs) 
like, for example, um, if Ergo was not in this goddamn movie, <laughs> he's awful. <laughs> Ergo, Ergo rules! Okay, I wrote oh, this down. Okay, yeah. Wrote, oh, hit me with room. it. He is um, an extra that got lost on his way to the Monty Python the Holy Grail set. <laughs> he's so bad. He's literally, I'll turn you into a nuke, or whatever. It's like, oh god, shut up. Like, and then a fuck it, up sorcerer <laughs> with floppy beetles hair. <laughs> I am he, Ergo the Magnificent, short in stature, well, tall in power, <laughs> narrow in and, purpose. And the yeah, thing he has is, to say the whole thing every time. Yeah. The the so here's the thing. You know, you you want to put a wizard. The most in insufferable this, character in your D and D game. You want to put a wizard in your story, and then you run into the problem, right? Of like, so I'm putting somebody in this story who has fucking magic at his fingertips. Um, and Ener's fine because he just kind of like knows medicine and he knows lore and that's chill. But if you're going to put like a fucking sorcerer in your movie, you run into a problem. And the problem you run into is how do you present this group of character? It's like, it's like trying to write for the Justice League. Like, how do I give the Justice League a problem that, like, Batman, that Aquaman and Superman can meaningfully contribute to? Because mm-hmm. every other character is a dipshit with a sword. <laughs> and here's a guy who can just turn into a tiger and rip people's nuts off and, like, teleport and shoot lightning everywhere, you know? How do I meaningfully <laughs> challenge this? And one, and one answer, one answer to this conundrum is to make the wizard in some way bad at being a wizard. Maybe old or maybe old and forgetful or maybe just old and physically weak or, you know, kind of a dipshit, a kind of a dipshit dumbass who nobody likes and nobody wants to be around and he's like an asshole. Um, and that's Ergo. If you want to see this specific tactic done well... Um, you can watch The Last Unicorn, which you should watch anyway. Yes, because, that's a um, good, yeah. The Last Unicorn features a wizard who's bad at being a wizard. Um, yeah. Because, you know, a wizard could probably have solved a lot of the problems in The Last Unicorn, too. But he's just a lot more charming, I guess. And it's, the, he. I guess I'm thinking about him because he is, in fact, very, the character from The Last Unicorn is very similar to Ergo. Like, he's not very, he's does not have very many social graces, um, he has a kind of an overblown sense of his own power relative to his magical skill. Um, they just handle it a lot better. Um, and he doesn't grate on your fucking nerves as much because he doesn't. Is, I... like, is, er- is Ergo simple? Is is he meant to have like some kind of like brain problem? Or... I think he's supposed to just be comic relief, so they keep doing beats for everybody to laugh. But there's no way anybody is laughing. Like, oh, I was not... laughing hysterically. I oh, love no. Ergo. Yeah, but you like Snarf. Yeah, I, I like, like the, the nanny characters. I like the nanny the characters. We watched the Transformers movie, and you like oh, the one God. Transformer that has the fucking Micro Machines man voice that talks like an asshole and gave me. <laughs> you loved him. What's yeah, because I grew up. With, yeah, because I grew up with the Micro Machines man who did the voice for that character, and but I was just like, photographs Yay. of me when I was eight. I never smiled. I would have hated him back then too. <laughs> Um, I do have several notes. Yep. Um, the first note is simply pants. <laughs> there are a lot shit. of very well, intricately seamed pants. Specifically, the prince's pants are like fucking Steven Tyler ass pants. <laughs> um, why is anything sci-fi in this movie? Prog rock was very popular at the time. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> there's really no reason for anything. There's no reason for lasers or spaceships. Well, or... why not? Well, that's, that's that's what I was thinking of. Like, so because it doesn't so many... contribute anything to the movie at all. Like, it's oh, just a fantasy cool. setting. But it looks, it looks cool. cool anyway. I mean, it looks cool before you put lasers in it. Like, there's no like I'm saying the actual setting and the the, Which the genre too, itself has no function. things require lasers. <laughs> if space is involved, lasers must also be. That yeah. see, that's what that's kind of what I mean. You can have lasers in a fantasy setting, like or magic, lightning, and shit. You don't have. You could just call it magic. You don't have to have spaceships and. I mean, I thought it was so pretty weird. clear that the beast's spaceship. Like, I just assumed that they were like magic wands, that all of the Slayers had some kind of, like, magic wand that can shoot a little magic missile. You know, I, I didn't assume that there was some kind of... And that's the thing, right? That's... So, something I like about books is that in in the book world, in, in literary circles, uh, with people mm-hmm. who think very hard about these kinds of things, um, a super big distinction is not, in fact, made between fantasy and science fiction. They're both kind of lumped together as speculative fiction. And you only um, and you only really talk about the distinction between the two when you need to, because the fact is, especially as a given science, piece of science fiction gets older, and we look back on its maybe ideas of what would be scientific or futuristic, um, it becomes clear that science fiction's conceits are equally abs- kind of absurd and magical, but there's a patina of kind of like futurism and scientism over them. And so I would say, why you know why not have some fucking lasers? It's all it's all made up. It's all it's all nonsense gibberish. You know. That's see that's a perfectly acceptable because basically the rest <laughs> of the movie doesn't. You know, like you know, so if, if I was watching the Family Stone, you know, <laughs> and like in the middle of it, a Slayer kicked down the door <laughs> and oh, shot and shot the guy from Coach with a laser while he's helping <laughs> his wife. Well, I want to watch this. Holy well, shit. While he's helping his wife process her mastectomy, you know? Like, <laughs> I, would, I would probably be like, I'd be interested. I would be like, where's this going? But I would also be like, this is kind of inappropriate. This is like, like total <laughs> shit. But I saw that I, I didn't blink at least. Crawl, I'm know? just imagining this happening on TV and you're actually being, hmm, this is kind of inappropriate. And then you just turn the channel. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, if a, if a U if a UFO shows up in the middle of a movie version of Pride and Prejudice. And just fucking, <laughs> just, You're just, describing Seth Abraham's like entire career. And, oh no! Oh, and just disintegrates Mr. Darcy, you know, and replaces him with a reptiloid. Like, <laughs> sure. You're um, describing like a specific mashup of like late aughts pop culture. Repulsive. I have I have two more notes. Mm-hmm. Um. We're your family now. <laughs> oh, I guess it's okay. The only man who's ever raised me died horribly. Oh well. Uh, the kid. Oh, yeah, that's just, the th- he melts down. He does cry. Uh, he, but uh, but that's for his girlfriend, not his dad. He watches his dad get blown away in front of him. Is <laughs> like, oh, gotta keep going. I just and love that they're like, it, we're your family. It's fine. And then he realizes, oh, I lost my girlfriend, and then just collapses into a puddle and just like sobs on his side. Okay. Have you uh, have you ever met? a young man from a background that has afforded him uh, some level of both wealth and power. Because they're like that. Yeah, like, he doesn't... <laughs> they, don't interact with, they don't interact with their parents. Um, and they don't the really last note is the them. amazing end of the movie where um, 
he tries to use the glaive and it doesn't work and he spends a long time trying to get the glaive back and then she's like it's us he can't defeat heterosexuality (laughs) it turns out it was the heterosexuality we made along the way exact that is totally the 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 answer at the end of the film if 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 we're if we're a good boy and girl, we'll get to shoot flames at the monster. It's like, I mean, oh I will goodness. say their their entire ceremony was pretty cool because it's like they're getting married and it's like, cool. you know, I give fire to water. You know, the the husband does, yeah. and then she's like, and I take fire from water, and then they hold hands, and then they can both. Then everyone can do you know flame hands from now on. Like, I'm a husband. I want that power. Why can't I have that power? It makes it. It's fine. It's just the end is so fucking ridiculous. Oh and yeah. And the whole the whole thing with the the spider, the the widow of the web. Ooh, oh wow. That was the part that was like for me. I was like, all of a sudden, this movie took like a dark fucking turn because like up until this point, it felt like a whole bunch of like fantasy cliches that they were just like, and then we have the wizard, and then the sorcerer. He's the bad one, and then you know. The, the prince rejects all lustful attentions from other women who are evil anyways. And then we get to this woman who's like, guess what? I'm ugly and old now. If you love me, though, I'll turn young and pretty. Also, I killed our baby because I hate you. God. I was like, holy shit. What the fuck it's is going on? It's just a lot to unload. It's just, and Oh, my god. Yeah, goodness. and I, I can't help well, but think like some that. Some dad going through divorce court. What's that scene? <laughs> Well, yeah, no, the DM just got divorced. He's like, you know what I'm going to do to these <laughs> Oh, no, we went to his magical realm. <laughs> yeah, no, it uh, reminds me of the scene. It reminds me hard of the scene in Gremlins whenever, you know, the the girl in that is all of a sudden like, yeah, my dad got murdered or murdered himself, stuffed his whole body into a chimney for Christmas. <laughs> Like, the thing is just so dark all of a sudden, and they just gloss over it, and Yanir's just like, oh, I still forgive you for killing our child, I guess. You want to give me that sand now, baby? (laughs) Yeah, it's... I don't want to... I don't want to let the movie off the hook for this, after railing on T3 so hard. Um, I I think one of the things this movie has going for it is... Um, you kind of ex- you kind of expect it in fantasy in a way that I was not expecting it from T three, and so I was more blindsided, and also more insidiously. Um, this is something I mentioned in the group chat, but I can talk about more here. Um, more insidiously, um, it kind of glided over my brain because a lot of and people don't really like to talk about this, but a lot of the because fan- fantasy is a genre that kind of women have been the stalwarts of traditionally, mm-hmm. um, uh, and even if like men are writing it, uh, it contains I would say a lot more woman shit, and a lot of the things, even like even like a rebellious queer like me, right? Like there's a lot of stuff in fantasy novels that are like the kinds of misogyny that women have internalized, right? So, like, I would see the misogyny in Terminator 3 and the homophobia and be like, oh, this sucks, because it's, like, ad- it's, like, adolescent boy hatefulness. But then this is, like, 
people don't people don't like to talk about how much of uh, misogyny is in fact perpetuated and internalized by women against women. Um, so I don't know. Like sometimes women fantasize about being a damsel and being saved and being, and even of being sexually menaced or uh, think of ourselves as broken or monstrous because man left us and resonate with having that kind of um, embodied in front of us. Um, so that's something, if you're a woman who's listening to the pod, it's something to maybe interrogate the next time you read Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> or, you know, go back and read, like, a good fantasy novel, like one of J.R.R. Tolkien's books. You can be like, well, how come Arwen doesn't come along? That kind of thing. It was fucked. Cool. It was fucked. The, the thing with the spider lady was fucked. No, it's absolutely fucked, because once you actually interrogate it, it's like, you know, she was sequestered for having an abortion, and it's like, okay, cool, I guess you gotta go live with the the spider now, which is busted as fuck. I think she killed her actual kid. It was like a fifth trimester abortion. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, it was just, it was very vague, because it was always just like, I killed our son. Never set an age, she... I think she just drank some moon tea or something and then was ostracized by the community and was like, now here's some webs and sand, you know, have fun with that, which is very Mm. busted. I'm going to do final thoughts, maybe. Uh, I think it was charming. I would watch it again. I just it you need to just put it on and not just pay half attention. Like, yeah. and then let, like, perk up when something cool happens, and then go back to doing whatever you're doing. It's perfect for that. I need some drugs. I think I need <laughs> shrooms to see this again. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think that would really just, like, unlock some higher-level third-eye shit. That James Horner music me. playing while you're just way up there oh, on the yeah. staircase? Yeah. I think I'd find this movie very meaningful if I was... <laughs> tripping and rolling and a a lot of people did my dad included because he he would just get stoned out of his mind and be like hey son you want to watch crawl and clash of the titans and i was like yes they're on tbs natch he calls his dad father (laughs) father when he he talks to his dad by the way which is such a which is such a bizarre little affectation and and his dad's like this like stoner stoner country dude you know and oh my like, my dad hates it. He's like, can he's you like, just hello, call hello, me dad? Father. Hello father. I'm your little boy father. <laughs> <laughs> um, my my final thought about crawl is I was thinking about Terminator 3 a lot while I was watching crawl. Um because one of the things that stuck with me about Terminator 3 is just how fucking lazy the production was, right? The lighting, the set design, the props, the effects. And so, like, I know that we moved to CG um, because practical effects are just more expensive, you know. So, and I can, I can. Yeah, how dare we actually pay people? Yeah, but I was watching Crawl, and I was just kind of. I think one of the reasons it so charmed me is that compared to the last movie I saw, because I saw Terminator Three, and then in the intervening week, I like watched um, the final season of BoJack Horseman, and I'm of walking cliche i did a lot of processing and signed up for a ptsd support group whatever fuck off like i watched a dumb the dumb cartoon about the sad horse and then i (laughs) so then the the next movie i watched right after terminator 3 was crawl and i was like Mm -hmm. i thought and i was like am i imagining this 
you know, because I was watching, is this is what movies were like? Do I just not know enough about cinematography? But I was watching Crawl, and I was like, no, the lighting, there's, like, texture to the lighting, and the color palette pops, and there's, like, shadows and lights and darks, yes. and the shots, have com- the shots have composition to them, and there's, like, a rhythm to the scenes. Um, and it just made me realize, and I've talked to Anthony about this, that, like, between, like, 19, between... It feels like the year 2000 and, like, the year that Weinstein's hands were taken off of, like, a third of movies that aren't Disney movies. It just feels like movies got kind of fucking shitty. And I'm happy that we're getting out of that funk, it feels like. And I'm happy to go back and visit movies like Krull, even though they have their imperfections and they have their things about them that are yucky. But... It's it's saved by the fact that just the craft of movie making is there in a way that it wasn't for a lot of my teen and early adult years. Yeah, that's a really eloquent way to put it. Yeah, I have as you talk that out, I have a lot of sympathy for the production crew on this, mm-hmm. and imagine the absolute batshit hell that you have every day, where you have no clue what they're going to ask you to make today. You just gotta oh, do it. Oh no. Just like whatever script changes are coming your way, you have no clue. <laughs> but those people gave it their goddamn all. Mm-hmm. Like there are so few matte paintings in this. There are so few. Like this is fully realized set stuff. It's it's a true marvel of the eighties. It was fun. My final thought on it: the reason that I think that this movie for me has resonated for so many years is watch out, y'all! I'm going to get earnest. Um, oh is we welcome that (laughs) yeah he goes to camp um so in this movie yes it has its flaws and yes it has its deep-seated misogyny in places because of you know the damsel you know has to be rescued and things like that but at certain parts of the film it has this intense empathy and ergo is one of those characters and why i like him so much because he's a shit heel through most of it but whenever the, you know, child of the Emerald Sorcerer, you know, is left without a family, he turns himself into a puppy in order to cheer up this child. And that was just one of those scenes, like, you could cut that. Like, it, did we see the child any time other than that? No, not really. And then also the uh, character of Rel, the Cyclops, you know, there's that tragedy built into them of they were, you know, cheated by giving their one of their eyes to the beast in order to see the future. But all that they can see is the moment of their death. And he defies death at great pain to help his friends out. And he is squanched in the belly of the beast literally (laughs) and it's those you know simple moments and even though it's you know cliche you know uh colwyn and lissa coming together and being like no we can defeat this evil and so as a kid yes they're simple but i think simple stories sometimes resonate with us and i think it's overarching niceness and empathy is one of the things that it makes it endure. Yeah, and, and I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, movies like this have problematic elements, but I think I've talked to you, Anthony, about this. This is what, one of the ways you get a leftist um, as an adult is a kid who is maybe 
not to be unkind, because I think this applies to me, is like a little kid who's so dense that when adults tell them that you're supposed to share and you're supposed to be nice, and Optimus Prime and Aragorn and Gandalf and Luke Skywalker <laughs> say you're supposed to be nice and the best thing you can do is be kind, not like hurting people, is like a little kid who's so kind of dense and socially unaware that they don't pick up on that, like, these messages are coming from the side of adults' mouths, and they're just like, yeah, I'm supposed to be nice, and I'm supposed to take care of people, and I, yeah. No, I think that's, I don't think that's corny. I think that that's <laughs> a way that you get good people. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. As you described that, Anthony, I almost want to, like, describe this movie as, like, Neapolitan ice cream. <laughs> it's got some chocolate. It's got some strawberry. It's got some vanilla. It's, you know what? It's just. It's got for, everything. It's got a little thing for everybody. Yeah. This is the part of the show where we. You know what it doesn't have is 9 11 because, <laughs> because it wasn't real. You open the carton to 9 11, there's oh nothing in there. Okay. This is the part of the show where we uh, plug social media. Uh, Anthony, do you want to share anything um, that you're doing or that you'd like listeners to know about? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've got a few uh, projects that I can't really, you know, go into right now. But, I mean, I'm on Twitter, so uh, you can catch me at uh, J-A-M-A-N Travis. I think, yeah, Jamin Travis. Uh, on Twitter, you know, I just mostly shit posts, so have fun yeah. with that. <laughs> I'm just mostly uh, posting a whole bunch of pictures of rats with various crowns. (laughs) (laughs) He's really into the Nutcracker. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, he was in that, wasn't he? I'm so excited to be queer so that when people start saying that it's homophobic to call Pete Buttigieg a rat, I can slap (sighs) them in the mouth and tell them to shut the fuck up. I just posted that today. (laughs) Um, But my my Twitter is uh, mayor underscore squared, M-E-R underscore S-Q-U-A-R-E-D. I write novels as Meredith Russo. You you can check them out if you want. I've heard they're pretty good. Um, The nominee, but I don't use any of... uh, Oh, and I reactivated my Instagram if you want to see my photographs. Ooh, the gram. Fro- yeah, it's Frothy Sandwich on Instagram. And now I'm going to pass it off to somebody else. I'm, uh, my music is at Coriolis Music. Um, my account is at Refreshing Time. I am trying to avoid Iowa and instead making jokes that are inexplicably going viral. Um, <laughs> but feel free to keep liking and retweeting and following me so I can just disappoint you even further. <laughs> you can find me on twitter at a very big bear follow the cast at second star cast email us at second star cast at gmail.com uh please feel free to rate and review the show wherever you find your podcast we really appreciate it and it helps us um you know find new listeners so thank you very much thank you anthony for being on the hey, show Hey, i really appreciate y'all inviting me thank you so much for having this poor country mutant on to talk about a a very psychosexual movie from his childhood we're here to help you (laughs) thank you everyone for listening have a wonderful week y'all come back now you're here